I'm absolutely convinced that all men, including you and I, have hidden potential that's not been tapped into. The team and I have designed a quiz for you to work out what that could be, and there's a link to it in the show notes. I'll tell you more at the end, but for now, enjoy the episode. The doors flung open and the winds just rushed through the aircraft. It was so cold, I could feel it in my bones. Welcome to Stories of Men, Beneath the Surface. I'm Alex Melia. Join me as we discover what it means to be a man in the modern era. Mental boundaries can be something that stop a lot of men from progressing in life. But why do they have so much control over us when there's nothing physically holding us back from achieving our goals? Isaac Harvey, MBE, is a community advocate who this year received an MBE for his services to people with disabilities. Having raised money from literally everyone he knew, it was time to take on one of the biggest challenges of his life for charity. I'm in the middle of this field and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, where am I? And Brian comes over and the first thing he says to me is, Hey Isaac, you ready for this? You excited? I look to my right where I could see my friend Ross give me smiles of encouragement. I was so nervous about this that I just couldn't speak and so much was going through my mind. So that's when I was pushed towards the aircraft. The engines were at the ready. So Brian, my friend Ross, and the other two men who were with us pushed me forward and now I was inside. The doors have been shut and all the money that I've been received from friends and family, I can't turn back now. We start to go up and the views are starting to look incredible. As I look out the window, I see the earth getting smaller and smaller. The doors flung open and the winds just rushed through the aircraft. It was so cold, I could feel it in my bones. It's becoming very hard to hear anything as the wind is just so loud. But Brian, on the top of his voice, says, You ready, Isaac? I came back to the room and I said, Oh, sorry, Brian. Um, I am ready. Three, two, one. And this is when I realized I was 14,000 feet high up in the air, just about to do a skydive, a thousand miles away from home in America, and out of all places, Ohio, with a disability where I have no upper limbs and short legs. And I immediately thought, don't be sick over Brian, don't be sick over Brian, and we jump. You had to overcome so many barriers and obstacles to get to this point. How did the opportunity actually come about to do the skydive in the first place? So it all began with an opportunity to do a skydiving fundraiser for a charity called the Brentwood Catholic Youth Service. And they take young people to the south of France to uh, help the elderly to go on pilgrimage. And I had been going for many years and I loved to see the work that they've done and how they're really caring and understanding and allowing people to have this opportunity in France. So I, I wanted to give it a go. And the idea of a skydive was something that I've wanted to do, but had, I wanted to have a reason behind it. And this was the reason to do it. So I signed up, said, yeah, I, I would love to get involved. Um, and they said, oh, you need to make, make this certain amount of money for you to 
participate. I said, that's fine. So, but I then thought I better contact the skydiving company myself to see if it would be doable um, uh, because of my disabilities. I've got complex disabilities and I know I wouldn't be able to fit in any, any harness. So I contacted the skydiving people and they basically said, with your disabilities and for health and safety reasons, we won't be able to do that. So I emailed the charity to saying, look, this is what they've come back with. And they said, oh, you know, you won't be able to do it. And the first thing the charity said is, okay, well, then don't don't worry about it. But then I thought, no, I, actually, I, I want to I see if I can actually do this. So I took it upon myself then to contact different airfields in the UK. I emailed at least maybe 10 to 20 different ones. And most of them said no. I even went to uh, Army Veteran um, Charity, I can't remember the name now, but to see if they knew, uh, if they knew anyone and they couldn't really direct me anywhere. Um, so it was kind of like all, uh, all hope was getting lost at this point. Um, but I then emailed at least one more airfield and they said, yes, we can do it, but we will need to get a special harness from America. And I thought, oh, okay, it's like a light bulb moment. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll see if I just maybe going to America because I'd never been to America before this. Um, and I'd known from a person with similar disabilities who had done a, a skydive um, out, of, um, I think it was Australia, but they'd done it elsewhere. So I, I went on to Google, searched accessible skydiving, and that's when I discovered the place in Ohio, um, in Cincinnati, who were able to do it. And without even giving them many details and just saying, I want to do a disability skydive, they said yes. And I thought, okay, brilliant, I could do that. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to get involved. Um, did send them my measurements. Um, I had to, because it was so far away, um, I thought I'd make a trip out of it as well. So I contacted a friend. I'd only been a friend for a year. And I said, oh, would you like to come with me on this on this trip? And he said, yeah, I'd love to support you on this trip. Um, and when I told the charity that I was raising money for, they said, well, with some of the money that you've raised, we can put it towards your trip. And I said, no, I, I'd rather all the money go to you. So I, I kind of paid on my own back to do this trip. And it ended up being a 10-day trip uh and got there on halfway through our trip um and yeah it, it kind of all unfolded from there really what stopped you from just going you know what i'm not gonna bother i skydived when i was about 18 i was part of a society called the free fall society at university and we all did a solo skydive from about i don't know maybe three or four thousand feet you had to do a six hour training course in order to qualify to be able to do that without someone helping you. It was so easy for me to get involved with it. But for you to do it thousands of miles away from home and with your disability, it must have been quite a challenge. It's thanks to my upbringing um, and the supportive people I have had around me. Um, and they've always encouraged me to do things, even though I do have a disability. And, and they've always treated me like no other. So I think that really did help in me wanting to keep pushing and making it happen. 
even though the easier way out would have been like, well, actually, I'll just stay at home and do nothing. But by doing that, and even though I was ill when I did it, it was an experience. Um, again, going to America as well, um, something I'd never done before, um, getting the visa and all these different things that all added to like this whole experience. Um, and I did meet some real cool people on the way as well. So yeah, I think it was, it was knowing that if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have had such a adventure and, and I know the people that I would have met along the way. You know, as everyone says, life's an adventure, right? And to be able to have those opportunities is not to be sniffed at. Also, you'd raised so much money from your friends and family. It was almost as if you couldn't back out, right? Yeah. So in the end, I raised about £2,600. And I thought, oh, I can't let my friends and family down. And knowing where the money was going towards, I didn't want to let them down either. So it was, um, yeah, it was quite conflicting. But when I when I got to the airfield and I was strapped in, I was like, no, nope, i got to do this. So it was at that point that you were like, I've got to do this when you were strapped in. Yeah, basically, yeah. It was, uh, I just remember in the morning telling my friend, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Um, but then got taxi to the airfield and then got strapped in. I thought, no, let's do this. The challenge of you getting to that point and actually doing the skydive with your disability, most people wouldn't even expect you to be able to do a skydive at all. What are the day-to-day challenges that you experience from waking up in the morning to going to bed at night? It's pretty much a challenge every day. Um, not being able to press buttons on lifts, not being able to um, feed myself um, when I'm out, um, and so many different uh, avenues, like a personal care as well. So not being able to wash or shower myself does come with its challenges, um, and that's like daily. But I do again, have very supportive friends and family who help me out. Um, and, you know, and that's something I'm very grateful for. But on the other hand, it does go a certain uh, way. So certain distance, uh, it does help because not always my friends and family are available. Um, and that sometimes does make my life very restricting. Uh, for example, um, my friend who came with me on the skydive um, had to take time off work to do it with me um, because he, he he works a nine to five job like most people. Um, so he had to take time off to do it. And again, I'm very grateful, but um, that can also be very restrictive because I've, I've wanted to go places because I, I'm available, but no one else is, meaning I've had to pass up other opportunities. So it can be quite frustrating in that aspect. And especially now I'm looking to get more assistance where I wouldn't have to have these restrictions, but um, government and their schemes can be very restrictive because as soon as you say that, oh yeah, I'm able to do this, but um, it, could, it becomes very restrictive when you say you can do something because I have this and this, but as soon as you say that, it's like, well, if you've if you've got that support, you don't need any more support. Not thinking about the bigger picture, thinking, oh, he's able to do this. But if he had if he had the actual support to do it, he could achieve even more. Um, so it's kind of like a bit of a backwards 
way of thinking. Um, so yeah, it's, it's that's a constant fight as well, wanting to get these things put in place. For most able-bodied people, the challenge would be to actually go ahead and do the skydive. I think for most people, it's their number one or even number two fear, you know, the fear of heights. But every day is a challenge for you, right? Yeah, it is. But I don't like to see it as a challenge um, because of, like I said, my upbringing. Um, I've kind of gained a bit more of an insight into not getting frustrated over these things because... I would be labeled as that angry disabled person and getting frustrated all the time. And, I, and that's not an energy that I really want to put in. And, um, you know, as someone who's learned a lot about the mental health journey as well, um, I don't want to be feeling negative all the time because I know that can f- affect my, uh, that can affect my health in many different ways and my perspectives of life. I'd rather, be a bit more positive and more of a uh, better outlook on life than to have that negativity. It doesn't serve anyone, does it? You know, being negative all the time. Again, it would be far easier for me to be angry over these things because, like I said, every day is something I need assistance with and when it goes wrong or I don't have it, it, it can get very frustrating. But yeah, I don't want to channel that too much. Isaac, I'm curious. How do you see yourself as a man in society? It's, it's weird saying this, but well, I'm, I'm going to say it from what other people say, but as a, a, a role model, because um, um, I'm, I'm someone who says it very openly and honestly, um, and I'm, I'm very realistic in my approach, and I'm definitely going against the norms of society when it comes to being a man, because um, I, I speak... Uh, open about my mental health, I uh, speak about the challenges that I face, uh, but I also speak about how life can be very fulfilling when I do speak about them authentically and very realistically. Um, just giving people a real approach to life. Um, and yeah, I guess that's going against the norm where you're not meant to share your emotions or you've got to be the man of the house and things like that. I think I'm, uh, yeah, kind of just giving people a different perspective. It's very outdated that men can't or won't share their emotions or vulnerabilities. And we know how much this affects people within their lives. Yeah, well, it does, but I I still think it's there in some capacity. Um, And some people, and how people don't feel brave enough or wanting to open up because they don't know how society is going to perceive it. I've had some friends recently tell me that they were going through difficulties, but they wouldn't explain what the actual problem was, which I found interesting. Of course, on the flip side, you do get other friends who will tell you everything. So sometimes it's just depending on the person and how much they're willing to go into their vulnerability. So I just decided with those people who wouldn't explain, look, you know, I'll be, I'll be there for you. And if you want to talk about it, I'm here. Obviously, we can't force people to open up. Some people will and some people won't. And sometimes it's just a question of time. And it's even more of a challenge because you don't want to force someone to say something either. Um, Because if it doesn't come out naturally, that's when people want it to shut down even more and don't want to speak about it. Um, But on the other hand, um, when you do support someone, how far do you go? Because I support a friend of mine um, 
and where they where they did open up but they kept going back to thinking quite negatively and that took me at least three four months of my own time to help this person um when i you know could be could have been using that time for other things for my own life but i took it upon myself to help this friend out um but yeah as i say where's the support for the people giving the support some people can't be helped i think it's about being ready at the right time for you you can't force anyone to change and i've tried that so many times and it just never works it just drains your energy and i've got countless examples over the last i don't know 20 years of trying to do that to be honest, though, I do like being in that position where I kind of help people, though. Yeah, it's because um, I, I I can see it from both sides. I was that friend um, who didn't really want to open up because I thought I was alone and I thought I'd be a bit of a nuisance to speak about it or show vulnerability. I didn't want to show that when, when this was around the time when people were looking up to me and I thought, oh, I can't speak honestly about this because how people are going to perceived this and they're not really wanting they wouldn't want to listen to me further um so i became quite blinded by it and because i wasn't being honest with my audience i wasn't being honest with myself and it was just like that cycle that very vicious cycle so i i do see it from both sides and when i was when i took it upon myself to be ready is when is when i did want to start talking to people about it and um people were willing to listen so yeah everyone's in different stages of their journey and sometimes i do sometimes forget people in different stages of the journey because i give some people some very profound knowledge of what i've learned and they don't really get it and i say oh how don't you get it and they say well no i've got to take a step back because i used to be there so so you talked about your mental health challenges what were they and how did you overcome them i mean there was loads of different aspects but it was mainly um, not feeling like I could, could control my emotions as well as not feeling internally happy. Um, and that was determined on external factors such as um, I wanted to be in a relationship um, and I thought in, uh, for ultimate happiness was to be in a relationship. So I strived for that, finally got into one, and I still wasn't happy. And I thought, oh, why am I still not happy? I finally got what I've wanted. Um, and because of that, I became quite selfish. And um, because I finally got what I wanted. So I need to look after my own feelings here um, to be happy. And obviously, if you're selfish in a relationship, that doesn't work. So that didn't end up working out. Um, then there was the idea of, I want to be an influencer. I want to be successful. I want a million subscribers on YouTube. Um, and I, I want to have this huge voice. For what I have no idea back then, um, it was more of just sharing my adventures because back then I wasn't even talking about disability. Um, I was just doing it because I loved creating videos. Um, and I was given an opportunity to do this workshop which won me an award, which got me onto television. Um, and I thought, okay, this is the big break now. I'm in newspapers. I'm going to get a million subscribers. I'm finally going to get what I've always wanted. And that didn't end up materializing. So that made me down as well. And then 
of course, as I mentioned about the honesty as well, didn't really work out. So all three factors came together and it got to a bit of a breaking point where I was like, okay, I need to take a step back and really understand why I'm feeling like I am. And that's where the first thing that came to mind was a film called Lucy. I don't know if you've seen that film. Um, so in that film, the protagonist uses more than 10% of her brain um, and it shapes her reality. And for some reason, first thing that first came to me because I'd seen the film a year or so before then. Um, and I typed that into YouTube 10% of your brain. And that's when I came across a guy called Bob Proctor and he was talking about the law of attraction um, and different paradigms and things. And I was like, oh, okay. Now I'm starting to understand life and how I've been thinking is the reality I've been creating. And it was then when I learned about the importance of being honest and how our internal experiences uh, shape our outer experiences. So uh, that kind of, yeah, basically changed my perspective on life. How do you feel when you hear about people putting these mental barriers or these boundaries on themselves to prevent them from excelling or doing the thing that they wanted to do? Because I think about you doing this skydive and it's so interesting how we can hold ourselves back. How did you overcome that? How did you stop yourself not saying, you know what, I'm not going to do this? Before the skydive, well, actually during the skydive, because it was during this point, um, because, you know, even though I did enjoy that experience, um, internally I wasn't happy during all of this either. Um, so this was during this time um, carrying the Olympic torch. Um, I did skiing and tour ship sailing after the skydive um, and all of it just was all this internal feelings and it really blinded me by what I was actually achieving and the barriers I was putting up on myself so I think it's yeah taking a step back and thinking internally of uh, what 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 barriers are actually in place um, is it ones that you're putting up or is it actual barriers that you have to overcome? Well, but both you need to overcome, but um, it's, yeah, looking inwards for an outwards experience. I think, yeah, if you want to achieve something, um, you can, you've got to believe in yourself. But yeah, if, if you feel like, oh, I can't do it because of this, this and this, usually it's your own barriers you're putting up. And if you put them up, you can bring them down. <laughs> After finishing this episode with Isaac, I just sat back in my chair and I thought, what would I ask people who've listened to this episode? And the question I thought of is, how many times have you given up on something after just five attempts? How about within 10 or even 15? The fact that Isaac contacted nearly 20 different skydiving centers in the UK. And not only that, but they all replied, I'm sorry, we can't accommodate you. And he still managed to have the idea to keep going and book one of the only skydiving centers in the world that was able to facilitate his disabilities. Because he really takes a special kind of man to keep going in the face of adversity and stick to his guns when all the cards were stacked against him. And it got me thinking, Isaac must hear the word no all the time. He was telling me a story actually prior to the recording where he was traveling to a friend's birthday outside of London, I can't remember where, 
and essentially because the operators at Euston Station didn't make the right calls to the station he was travelling to, he wasn't actually able to attend that party and this took about, about two or three hours of his time. Imagine living with your life. Imagine living your life with such constant friction. It would make even an eternal saint turn into a frustrated person. Another thing that's worth pointing out for anyone who's just listening and hasn't checked out the video clip of this episode is that Isaac was actually lying down whilst recording this episode with his head against the pillow. Honestly, honestly, I think if it was me, I would have probably fallen asleep within 10 minutes of my head hitting the pillow. The mental energy, the mental fortitude required to keep going and have such a great stimulating chat with me about his adversities made me come to the realization that you can operate in almost any circumstances if you really want to. Not to mention that we had to pause a few times to tell his grandma to stop talking so loudly in the corridor and for Isaac's patience throughout all that. So the question I ask to you is, what are the boundaries that are holding you back in life and what could you do to channel Isaac to overcome them? Before you go, let me tell you about our man test. The team and I created it with the belief that every man has hidden, untapped potential and I want to help you discover what it could be. Let's face it, we've all got dreams and aspirations, but the stresses of life can get in the way. I know I've been there myself. As men, each one of us has skills and knowledge that sets us apart from the rest. It's about discovering what they are and making the most of them. The man test is simple, it takes less than three minutes and will help you discover your true strengths and talents by working out what kind of modern man you really are. Find the link in the show notes and take the man test today. You never know, you might just learn something new about yourself that you didn't know before.